I'm Mindy Peterson, and this is Enhanced Life with Music, a look at music's effect on our everyday lives. I have the pleasure of speaking today with Philip Brunel, a globally recognized conductor, choral director, organist, and musical entrepreneur based right here in Minneapolis. Since 1969, Philip has served as organist and choir master at Plymouth Congregational Church and founder and artistic director of Vocal Essence. He is the recipient of awards from Hungary, Sweden, Norway, and Mexico, as well as an honorary order of the British Empire and five honorary doctorates. Welcome to Enhanced Life with Music, Philip. Thank you, Mindy. Nice to be here. Philip, you have notoriety around the world for your musical knowledge and expertise, especially in the choral music world. Here in the Twin Cities, there are a lot of Scandinavian Lutherans, and it's been called choral country. What is unique and special about the Twin Cities and its choral music scene that has kept you here with us for your whole career? Well, Minnesota is indeed a unique place because I think certainly the countries from which the settlers came were countries that had a big singing tradition. So they brought that. And it wasn't just singing, it was also instrumental. But certainly the countries in Europe that brought them here, as well as the people who came up from Mexico, you know, there's just been a lot of choral music that exists in the churches, in the schools, in the universities, uh, in the community choirs. So all of that just has played into why we have this wonderful rich, beautiful amount of music. And for me, because I was able, as a young person, to begin something like Vocal Essence and also be at Plymouth Church, uh, it just made sense to stay and make more music because there is so much great music to perform. Mm. Do you feel that the Lutheran schools, we have several of those in the area, do you feel that they really keep that tradition going with really high-quality choral programs? Is that part of what contributes to the choral music scene that we have here? Definitely that is part of it. It's not the whole thing, but certainly the important schools that are Lutheran-based have done a lot to enhance the music. And I have to say that many of the singers who audition for Vocal Essence have come from having graduated from those schools. Okay. So places like St. Olaf, Luther College, Concordia, some of those places. Exactly. And, and uh, Go ahead. Uh, no, I was going to say, you've got St. Olaf, Concordia, Gustavus Adolphus, uh, Luther, all of them, plus just other schools that have had really strong programs, places like McAllister and the University of Minnesota. Uh, you know, there's a lot of great choral music in our community. Mm-hmm. We have all these great rankings for sports, like Division One, Division Two. We we don't have that for a choir. These schools have like Division One choral programs, don't they? They are. And, you know, I'm just as happy that we don't have that kind of competition because it's great that we can make music together. Sure. That's a good point. When you were a sophomore at the University of Minnesota, you became the youngest member ever of the Minnesota Orchestra when you were hired as percussionist. How did you feel about hanging around all those old orchestra people when you were 19? (laughs) Well, I was a lot younger than they were, but it was a great experience. I learned so much just from uh, being in the orchestra to observing people. 
And of course, the thing I always say that I learned the most was watching and observing how conductors rehearsed. You know, once you get to the concert, <laughs> the work is done. You're going; to, it'll be inspirational, yep. but there's no more rehearsing. So it's really how the time is spent in rehearsal that really counts for what the performance is going to be like. Mm-hmm. When did you start playing percussion? That was not your first instrument, right? It was piano, no, organ, voice. I started. I was a well. I was a boy soprano, so I was trotted out when I was three years old and started singing. And then when I was four, I started piano. I started percussion in grade school, probably when I was about ten. Okay. And so, and then, and then I started organ when I was fifteen. Oh, okay. So, how did you end up making percussion sort of your primary instrument, or enough so that you were hired as as percussionist of the Minnesota Orchestra? Well, I was especially interested in percussion as far as the what we call the mallet instruments, marimba, for instance. So. There was a friend of our family who was a marimba player, and I was fascinated by what he could do. And so I wanted to take lessons on the marimba, which also meant I had to have a marimba. Mm. And uh, so that really, it was more uh, not so much the, the drum set part of percussion, but it was really the, the mallet instruments that interested me. And when I was hired by Minnesota Orchestra, that was the first thing they were anxious that I would be playing, was anytime there were solos that involved marimba or xylophone, bells. But then also, I could be the backup. There was a pianist in the orchestra at the time, but I could be the backup because they also would call for organ, and I did that. Mm-hmm. And then when she moved away, then I moved from being in the percussion section to uh, being in uh, being the pianist of the orchestra. Mm-hmm. Wow. They really killed a lot of birds with one stone with your hire, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> they did. They did. And I stayed there for five years, and it was a great time. Uh-huh. How much time did you spend practicing your musical instruments in high school to become that good at age 19? Well, I, I, of course, the the joke my mother used to say was that she paid my older brother to teach me how to throw a baseball. Uh, it, it, she would pay him, but uh, <laughs> she never was having to pay because I wouldn't do it. Oh, I just, really? It just wasn't no, happening? <laughs> I just stayed in and practiced. Oh, I loved to practice. Okay. I just stayed and practiced all the time. Okay. As, many, as many hours a day as I could. Okay. There is incredible longevity in your career. For over 40 years, you were on many broadcasts of A Prairie Home Companion, including the very first and the very last show. You've been with Plymouth Congregational Church and Vocal Essence for over 50 years. I'm guessing you've also lived in the same house and been married to the same person for 50 years or more. Am I right? Been married to the same person for 55 years and been in the same house. Uh, it will be 50 years this coming December. Oh, wow. Good for you. So, yep. so we're talking about a lot of golden anniversaries, golden anniversaries with two job roles and a marriage and a house. And that's a lot of goldens. And I think you also live in Golden Valley. Is that right? I do live in Golden Valley. <laughs> and, you know, I think one of the reasons all of this has worked is that I've just never been sick. I'm 
I've, I've never missed. I'm here all the time. And uh, uh, I think a lot of it, <clears throat> excuse me, has to do with attitude and how you feel about life and the joy of living. And that really is something that for me is very, very important and a part of my life. Mm. Well, I'm sure that is very significant. And also, we are all significantly impacted by our childhood and family of origin. You've spoken openly about the especially impactful events of your growing up years. Tell us a little bit about some of those events and how they may have influenced your career and its longevity and your success. Well, my father was a minister, and uh, my mother had taught herself piano. She was very musical, but she'd never had lessons, but she could play the piano actually quite well. And so she was really the one that encouraged me to uh, continue to do my singing, to do my playing. And I still remember when I was six, we were living in Austin, Minnesota. She took me to a performance uh, of Handel's Messiah with orchestra, with soloist, choir, and I was just bowled over. I was so thrilled to hear this. And I remember when I came home, I said the one thing I would love to have for Christmas is a vocal score of Messiah. And uh, which I got, but I was not aware at the time that maybe other six-year-olds were not asking for a vocal score. I still have that score. No, (laughs) no, not at all. But you know, I I still have it, and uh, you know, it's it's just the music. I, I became so interested then in the music of Handel. Found out about who he was, uh, and then uh, when I went in high school, I was very fortunate that uh, I went to Minnehaha Academy, and the choir director there, Harry Opal, was a great choral man. He was there for many, many years, and uh, he really encouraged me. Uh, Part of that also was my father had died when I was young, so left my mom with five kids, and he was just, uh, he was a really important figure encouraging me in my music making, and uh, I just kept it up. He's the one that found me, uh, uh, Arthur Jennings, who was my organ professor, and uh, so one thing led to another, and uh, by the time I went to the university and started in music, uh, the opportunity for being in the orchestra came, then I had an opportunity to, on a Rockefeller grant, to study at the Metropolitan Opera one summer, and I came back from that and was offered the position as music director of Minnesota Opera. So one thing just came to another, and it's all been uh, something that's happened here in this community. Mm. Well, you talked about your positive attitude. I'm wondering if that really comes from your mom. I read a quote of, of hers that when your dad passed away, and she had five children ranging in age from 11 months to 15 years, she said, that she had no idea how this will work, but it will be an adventure, and God will provide. It's <laughs> exactly what she said, and that's the way she lived. And, uh, you know, obviously, in those days, we were really poor, but we didn't know that because she would never, you know, c- complain and carry on and say, oh, poor us. No, we just simply, uh, she just did whatever she possibly could to keep us all together. Mm. She sounds like an amazing woman. Yeah, she was. She was a great lady. Can you tell us a little bit about your wife of over 50 years? 
Carolyn is a professional painter, and she has her own studio over in St. Paul, and so she has been doing a lot of wonderful painting. She started out when we were first married as a floral designer in a flower shop, and it's very interesting because, of course, she's still, when when it's needed at, at the house, she can you know, pick up a bunch of flowers and make these gorgeous bouquets. Mm. And I think the tie-in of being a painter and doing that, you know, goes hand in hand. She also uh, has sung in the Plymouth Church Choir since uh, I came to Plymouth. So she's been in the choir now 52 years. She sounds great, and (laughs) uh, she's a wonderful alto, so it's great. And then, of course, we have three terrific children who are all now older, and they themselves have careers, and they have children. So, yeah, we've had a wonderful life. She's been, you know, I could not have done all that I'm doing if if it hadn't been for her taking care of the home front. Sure, sure. Well, oh, yes. I, I'm sure between the two of you, you had a home that was full of energy and artistry and beauty. <laughs> oh, yes. All of that and activity, I can tell you. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. yes. Well, you have rubbed shoulders with some incredibly fascinating and talented people from Aaron Copeland and Igor Stravinsky to Bobby McFerrin and ABBA. And you've performed live on stage with Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones in front of 50,000 people. And those are to name just a few. Okay, I really want to hear the story of how you were tapped by the Stones to perform with them. Can you tell us about that? Uh, A phone call from um, a woman who was like the agent for the Stones, that they were going to be coming to Minneapolis. Uh, And you have to know also, Mindy, my knowledge of pop music is very small. Okay, And so I knew who the Stones were, I don't think I'd ever heard any of their music. Sure, and well, I was wondering that when I was reading about all these new, people, ABBA and Dessa, no. and oh. I'm like, man, does this guy listen to hip-hop, too? <laughs> <laughs> no, but but with the Stones, anyway, she just called and said, um, uh, we're coming and we need a choir, and I said, you know, I knew enough about how fantastic they were. I just immediately said, yes, we can do that. <laughs> and uh, and I knew we could. Uh-huh. And we uh, the same thing happened uh, so many times with other organizations. Anyway, they came, they said, oh, we need to have uh, an hour or, let's see, an hour of rehearsal. It was just one piece. We needed an hour of rehearsal. And uh, I thought, really? Okay. So <laughs> we got there and Mick Jagger starts in we did. We sang through it once, and he just went, "Good grief! We don't need any more rehearsal. They're perfect." <laughs> so that was it, you know. And uh, over the years, just uh, uh, working with so many different groups, I think you know. If you come, of course, we had rehearsed before we met with Mick. But if you come prepared and you know what you're doing, I wouldn't ever have us go and perform and say, "Oh yeah, we can do this," and we're not ready. Because then you get a reputation that you're not going to be the group they want. Mm -hmm. And this way, we've really been uh, the same thing. You know, when Aaron, when I started Vocal Lessons and then it was Plymouth Music Series, I wanted to start with a bang because I knew that you needed to get the attention of people. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, okay, how do we do that? And I thought, why not have Aaron Copeland? He's written choral music. I don't know that anybody does the choral music. Uh-huh. They, they do the orchestral. Mm-hmm. So 
uh, uh, one of my mottos is always been, you don't know if you don't ask, <laughs> yeah. because you have a 50% chance of yes. Mm -hmm. So I called him up and said, would you come to Minneapolis and conduct your choral music? And he went, young man, no one has ever asked me to do that. And I love my choral music. Tell me, <laughs> tell me the date. I'll cancel what I'm doing and be there. And he did. Wow. Wow. And we became good friends. And that's sort of how it began. Wow. Well, you are someone who's not afraid to ask. How many of your incredible situations and experiences in your life would you say just fell into your lap? And how many of them came about because you had the balls to make them happen? Pardon my language. Well, I think whenever you know that there's a project or a piece of music that you want to do, and if it's a matter of connecting with someone, uh, then you simply have to call them if you know that it's something that would fit beautifully, not only with Vocal Essence, but it might be with Plymouth Church or some other project that I'm doing. So I've often, you know, had those kinds of things happen. Uh, certainly when we had Sir Peter Piers come after Benjamin Britten had died, and of course Britten had written all of the solo stuff for Peter, and I thought, we should bring him. And so I remember that I contacted him and said, we're, you know, we'd love to have you come and do the five canticles that Britton wrote for you. And he said, oh, no one, I've never been in a performance with all five. I would love that. Mm -hmm. And so he said, but I can't sing all five. I'll sing three of them and I'll coach the other two. So he came from England and did that, and the place was packed, and people were just thrilled to have a chance to, to this this person that they'd only known from recordings, and here he was right there in Minneapolis singing. Mm. And yet, you have been turned down by our own governor, right, for his inauguration? <laughs> well, yes, not the, well, it was just, not this governor, but previously. Oh, so. I thought it was Waltz. No, no, no. Oh. No. But anyway, okay. no, we've got lots of, but I've also done the inauguration music for several of them. I did it for Al Quee. I did it for Rudy Perpich. Oh, yeah. Okay. So. Well, I understand and I can believe that you have more energy than your seven grandkids combined. You said you've never been sick. And I understand that your fuel source is not food or sleep, but copious coffee. amounts of coffee. Okay, it's so my coffee. so my next yes. question is inspired by the famous line from when Harry met Sally, I'll have what she's having. I want to know what kind of coffee you drink. What kind of coffee gives you this kind of energy? Whatever there is that's a good dark roast. Okay. Yeah. But, so you're not you know, picky. You'll you'll just drink anything. Yeah, oh I will. I'll drink I'll just I just want good dark roast coffee and uh, I'll drink, you know, a lot a lot of coffee every day. People know that. Okay. And now that you're probably spending more time at home because of COVID, what kind of coffee do you drink at home when you have complete control over what you're drinking? Actually, I'm down at the office every day. Are so, you? Okay. Oh, yes. That's where I am right now. Okay. So, well, you probably have complete control over that coffee as well. Well, right? there's coffee. It's it's here in the building. And, uh, you know, so whether it's Dunn Brothers or whether, whatever or Caribou, you know, but good. I want good coffee, of course. Okay. Well, your motto for Vocal Essence is expect the unexpected, because choral music is not one thing. Tell us what you mean by that. 
Well, when I started Vocal Essence, the idea was that there's so much choral music out there, but in 1969, when I started it, really there were like a 10 or 12 war horses, and these are the pieces people knew about and that were performed. And I thought, oh, these are wonderful pieces, but there's so much more than just those 10 or 12 pieces. And so my goal was, can we start bringing to the community lots of other choral music that they probably never heard before? And then could we start commissioning composers? Because that had not been done to a great extent. And so, little by little, you know, all of this music happened. I mean, that was why I started uh, bringing Aaron Copeland the first year. And in the early days, we did a Handel oratorio every year, but we never did Messiah, because that was the one people knew. Mm. And then when I started commissioning, uh, the first commission was to Dominic Argento, uh, because, of course, I knew him from the university. He had been my teacher uh, and uh, I just thought this was the way to go. And so from then on, we've now commissioned, you know, uh, I guess something around 300-some uh, pieces. Oh, wow. And uh, so, yeah, it's, you know, but there's so much more that we can do. I mean, that's, you know, I look in my office at all of the choral music here, and I go, oh, my word, we could do a concert every day of choral music, and in a year we wouldn't be close to running out of, of ideas. Mm -hmm. But the idea of a concert every day isn't going to happen, so there we are. Yeah, yeah, isn't that disappointing? Well, we've pretty much established that you're the godfather Ooh. of the Scandinavian Lutheran choral mafia. <laughs> I understand that you do like to call yourself Padre, but not because of the godfather connection. It's more of a priest-father connection. Tell us about that nickname that you've given yourself. Well, I didn't give it to myself. I, 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 not give it to me. It was given to me. We have a program at Vocal Essence called Cantare, which is a program where we bring composers from Mexico to come and write music for young people in our schools. And about five years ago, we brought a composer named Novelli Jurado, and while he was here, he met a young woman. Well, one thing and another, they are now uh, married. And when they were going to get married, he asked if I would perform the civil ceremony. And I said, uh, but I'm not a minister. Oh, he said, but I know you can become one. <laughs> so I did go, and so I now am uh, able to do a ceremony in the state of Minnesota. And so I became uh, a minister for their uh, service, and they both, at that point, regarded me as Padre Philippe, and that's what I am. <laughs> Got it. Have you used your credentials to marry any other couples, or just the one? Just the one. Just the one special yeah. one. Okay. But if, so if somebody else comes along, I can do it. But at this point, <laughs> it's just been for Michelle and, uh, and Novelli. Got it. Well, I, I ask all my guests to close out our conversation with a musical ending, a coda. Tell us about the song we are about to hear. Well, when you asked for that, I thought, okay, you know what would be, I, since, I, since singing has been part of my life since I was three, and I performed a lot as a kid until age 12 when suddenly I became a bass, uh, and 
When I was eight, I was uh, a, uh, one of the contestants. There used to be a talent show on the radio, on WCCO radio, with a man who was the man in town at the time named Cedric Adams. And so I uh, went on the show, and one of my calling cards was a song called The Holy City, which was very well known at the time and people, very sacred song. So I, I went on and sang The Holy City, and I won. So that's how it came to be. And here's a young gentleman with his eye on that prize list, Cedric. He's Philip Brunel. Philip is a uh, small but a very uh, energetic young guy. I could tell by the way he walked up here. How old are you, Phil? Eight. And where do you live, my boy? Minneapolis. Is this your first time on the radio? Yes. We're very glad to have you with us while we're launching this new series. Tell us what you do in the way of talent. Oh, I sing at different churches. Sing at different churches. Are you a choir boy then? Yeah. Good. Have you taken some lessons, Phil? No, I haven't. Well, where did, how did you learn to sing then? Oh, I learned mostly by records. And then your mother helps you yeah. some, does she? Fine. Well, how, how old were you when you started to sing? About three. You're three? <laughs> your voice is what? Soprano. I just wanted to be sure about that. What are you going to sing for us tonight, Philip? The Holy City. All right. In our Philip 66 spotlight, then, is Mr. Philip Brunel. Last night I lay sleeping. There came a dream so fair I stood in old Jerusalem Beside the temple there I heard the children singing And ever as they sang Methought the voice of angels From heaven in answer rang Methought is a little bit of Philip Brunel singing at age eight for the WCCO radio talent show in 1952. Thank you so much to Philip for sharing some of his story with us today and for all he does to enhance lives with music. Speaking of throwbacks to earlier decades, I did know that vinyl albums had become a thing. Again, they become popular with some young people. You can buy record players. But one thing I did not know about until recently was that cassette players and cassettes are making a bit of a comeback too, which as someone who fully lived through the cassette area, that, that is shocking to me. Why anyone on earth would want to go back to cassettes is beyond me with the tape that becomes unraveled and gets crimped up or tangled up in the cassette player. You have to rewind and fast forward and flip it over. 
And along those same lines, when I visited my daughter, who's a freshman in college recently, I found out that disposable cameras are also popular now because you have to wait to get the film developed. (laughs) And I'm like, wait, that's the whole point of the camera in your phone is you don't have to wait. I guess there's even this app now called Dispo where you take a picture and you can't view it until the next day. So she's trying to explain this to me and I'm like, I'm not getting the appeal of this. I fully remember not being able to view pictures right away. And it's way cooler to not have to wait and realize your eyes were closed. I'm tempted to say if you really want to relive the 80s, just give me your cell phone and we'll put one wall-mounted quartered phone in the middle of the kitchen. (laughs) But somehow I don't see that technology becoming popular again anytime soon. So if you are still looking for unique gift ideas for Christmas or Hanukkah or any other event, you could get someone a disposable camera and tell them to take one picture in each month of 2021 and get it developed a year from now to see their year at a glance. And your gift just may be considered the coolest gift ever. That or check into buying tape cassettes and a tape player, which I do not recommend. (laughs) Or better yet, listen to episode 71, which is all about creative and research-backed ways to gift music, including some ways that are completely free. Thanks to some of you who contacted me after listening to that episode to share how you were inspired. One listener is a senior in high school and listening to the gift episode just got the wheels turning in his head and he came up with the idea of looking up a local record store. He found one in his area, he checked it out and had a lot of fun and ended up buying a Christmas gift there. Another listener helped her grandkids adapt the 12 Days of Christmas for a Christmas gift for their grandpa. They used the same tune and changed the words. And for Christmas, the grandkids are going to perform the song and also wrap up this darling printout of their lyrics that she came up with. She sent me a picture of it. I'll include it in the show notes if you want to check it out. Super cute. Let me know if you came up with any creative ways to gift music, the gift that keeps on giving. You can reach me on email, social media, or my website. All links are in today's show notes at mpetersonmusic.com slash podcast slash episode 73. Thank you so much for joining me today. Until next week, may your life be enhanced with music. Well, when it comes to judging the volume of applause, we simply consult the accurate little needle on our applause meter, and though uh, there, the answer is waiting for us. And tonight, according to uh, Mr. G. Eaton's reading, the $10 cash award goes to our boy singer, Mr. Philip Brunel. Now, our first semifinalist of the new series...